This episode is brought to you by Triggered 22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered 22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds. We print a local paper, and uh, I happen to have some coin in my pocket. So I give him some coin. I slide it under the table, though, so that the other workers don't see it. And I say, hey, can you... Uh, you know, get this through. Sure. And, and the worker that's, that's behind the counter turns around. He's a seven and a half foot tall half orc. He looks down at you and he says, so it's a bribe then. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Olivia and Nate Holmes, joined by their friend Adam Steck. They are avid Dungeons and Dragons players. Guys, welcome to episode 53 of the American Grown Podcast. Hi. Wow. Hello. <laughs> it's super awesome to be here, man. Thanks for having us. Uh, we finally did it. The nerds broke through on yes. a legitimate program. Let's go. <laughs> and we're here to stay. We're going to try to recruit some new people. Nerd is in. The nerdy thing is is popular now, which is a really weird thing to say. But we're no satanic panic anymore. No satanic panic. We're gonna we're gonna talk about that. And I'm not gonna lie, guys. You didn't compliment the Star Wars. Program. I was looking at it when we walked did you? in. Oh, I, I did. Look. I didn't even notice. Yeah, that's Star Wars. Awesome. Thank you. My wife got it for me, so it's very uh, nice. I had to rock it today. Normally, <laughs> I just wear like a standard solid color polo, but you guys got the special. We gotta one. go nerd, full nerd. Oh yeah. Star I mean, Wars is not nerdy. Nobody is a nerd who likes Star Wars. Star just Wars, saying. Lord of the Rings. Oh, Love yeah. it. Oh. I think, I think it is nerdy, Liv. I think it is nerdy, but it's okay for it to yeah. be nerdy. There's a lot of people who like Star Wars. Nerds are cool. <laughs> oh, yeah. Exactly. Nerds are, are, they're like the popular kids, I think. I think it's coming back for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Forget the jocks. Nerds all the way. So, <laughs> to get some background, Olivia's actually a client here at Color Tech, and we gave her a tour of the shop, and we did lunch at Boyer's Tavern. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Bobby at Boyer's Tavern. And for most of the lunch... It was my own fault. I had asked because I was curious. You talked about D&D, Dungeons and Dragons. And that's kind of what sparked all this. Yeah. Yeah. It was like a solid 45 minutes straight. His dad, Rick, was there as well as my coworker, Deja. And they were just along for the ride while we just sat and talked. But it seemed like everybody was kind of interested. So it was. I think it was a good conversation. (laughs) Oh, for sure. It wasn't boring at all. It was almost like we were in the movies, the way you were describing the stories and the role playing and everything about it. So let's start before we dive into, you know, D and D let's get some background. Adam, let's, let's start with you. Sure. Yeah. So D and D, my dad has been playing D and D since the game came out, right? Wow. He actually still plays with the same group of people that he met through school and all throughout college. So they've played just about every version of the game um, since it kind of started, you know, they started with, pieces of paper they started playing different games there's even some earlier games uh like where the game D was derived from like chain mail which if you want to get real nerdy wait we're going back this is like 
the origins of this role-playing game, and it is a TTRPG, meaning tabletop role-playing game. Thank you, because I had no clue what that meant. <laughs> That's what that means, right? Tabletop role-playing game. But a lot of these games actually started as war games, where essentially you would have some sort of large table, usually in a basement or a garage, so that, that much hasn't changed. People, a lot of people play D&D in their basement still. Um, and you would like basically have this giant sand table, make some sort of battle map, you know, like terrain, and then you'd move little pieces around. It would be a war game when you went back and forth. So it kind of started as that kind of game. And then eventually there was a module that was interjected into the game where you could play as fantasy people. So rather than being like the Mongolian army or whatever, or like Civil War guys going back and forth, you could now be like wizards and stuff. And then it kind of became popular. People like that fantasy, high fantasy setting a lot better. And then the game of D&D was kind of was invented. You know, it's an American invention, which is pretty cool. Anytime that we can put our stamp on something, it's kind of neat. Being like, yeah, it started here, you know? So basically, long story short, he's been playing forever. So it was always around as a kid. I played briefly in one of their games when I was, say, like 6th, 7th grade-ish. And then dropped it until I uh, divulged back into the nerdy culture with my friends. And I was like, guys, I don't know how to play this game anymore because it changed so much. But I think we would all have a lot of fun doing it. And essentially, that's that's kind of how, how I got started and then wrote these guys into it. We all learned the game at the exact same time, which I don't recommend, including the person running the game, uh, to all be learning at the same time. But I basically roped all my friends into it. And then, long story short, we've been playing for, what, five, six years now. Yeah, I was and... trying to figure out when we started. And I feel like it had to have been right after I was out of college, probably like 2017, maybe? Yeah, probably around there, 2016, yeah. something like that. Wow. And I got to get this on on record here but nate you have an awesome podcast voice can i get an amen <laughs> amen thank you adam that's what i'm talking about you really do i, I just yeah. really good it's guess i gotta really start a podcast little, really, 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 really low voice so adam you would say you know your father kind of got you into dungeons and dragons and that kind of like role-playing uh board game aspect for sure for sure and it's it's really interesting because the game D&D has changed over the years. Like I said, it used to be just moving little pieces around a map that kind of was at the start of the game, and it was very tactical and stats-driven and numbers-driven. But the modern version of D&D now, the part that I enjoy the most about it is actually the role-playing aspect of it and the improvisation, which was kind of added to the game later as the game was developed. So there is still a tactical part when you would go and, like in the game, for example. There's basically two different modes that you end up switching between the one is the role-playing aspect meaning between the dungeon master who runs the game and the players you're creating this scenario it is group storytelling so the players can add stuff and the dungeon master kind of acts as a scenario around it in the world that their lit their characters are living in right so that's kind of the one aspect of it and then the other aspect of it is okay now a fight started now we're moving pieces on a physical map in front of us. You can move a certain number of spaces. You roll dice to determine your probability of success. So there's basically two parts of this game. And where my dad came from, it was all tactical. They didn't care even what their characters were named. Like they put, like sometimes they play years and they just like, I know, uh, for example, my dad played a, like a character for years that either had the starting letter of L or the name started with E-L. So they were just called him L or something like that for years because that didn't matter. Yeah. Those details did not matter to them. They were like, let's just get into stats and leveling up, killing monsters, getting loot, and boosting the number part of the game and the tactical part of the game. What we love, 
and sometimes we'll have an entire session before without even busting a map out. We love just um, the immersion of being in a fantasy type setting and playing as different characters and interacting with the world within it. And it's the storytelling side of it. I was just going to say, so it's much more storytelling where before it was more of a like classical board game like Risk or Stratego. Uh, now it's more of the fantasy and, and the storyline, the plot behind it. Um, and I'm guessing, Adam, since you brought the books, you are the dungeon master. I am the dungeon master or DM. So or if GM. you want to really... Or GM Game Master, if it's not Dungeons and Dragons. If you're playing another TTRPG, which is a... Tabletop roleplay game. There you go. I knew it. We're learning. By the end of this, we're going to be playing a game. Yes, we are. Yeah. The best part about it is you can switch up the setting and different things like that. Once you have kind of this formula, you know, you can use the game mechanics and play in any setting. For example, I have another game right now that I'm running. It's just like a four-session mini-campaign that is in the Harry Potter universe. You know what I mean? Like you can use this and like kind of immerse yourself. You can play in the world of Lord of the Rings or what we've been doing for years. We've been playing one game since we started, which we're about to finish up. And I think we're going to be like almost about 90 sessions in, which you, which you figure, you know, nine, we got together 90 times for four to five hours as a group of consistent relatively consistent people and we put that much time into one world and that's a completely homebrew world which me and i actually have a co-dm for this game because it's huge um shout out writing. to matt anderson yeah shout out to matt shout anderson, to matt anderson. <laughs> he's he's very much the one that 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 uh, makes everything make sense behind the scenes and does a lot of the uh you know the writing and the tactical part of things and then i always joke that i'm his puppet and i'm up there doing <laughs> stupid voices and talking and kind of just like bringing the story to life but my my point was You've got this this consistent game that we've been playing for years, but our setting is completely homebrew, meaning we started with a blank sheet of paper and we came up with the world, the name of the continents, uh, all of the people, the towns, the cities, how it all interacts together. And it's a lot of work, but it's a lot of fun. But the basics of these, this game, not to go off on too much tangent, back to your point, the basics of this game can be applied to any type of setting, and that's why people are really loving it, because they can customize it to how they want to play the game. Very cool. So it's kind of like a multiverse thing, you know, if you think about it. You're living in the real world, but then for D&D, you're playing in whatever world you create, you know, you guys create. Olivia, let's get uh, your background. How did you get into D&D, and, and what's your kind of story on it? So... As Adam said, we all started together. So I had never played D&D prior to what I estimate is 2016, 2017, right out of college. Adam one day was like, hey, we're thinking about playing Dungeons and Dragons. We all like similar things. We like doing similar things. So uh, who's interested in? And Nathan and I were like, I guess we'll join in. Sure, we'll, well figure out what this is. I, I remember Matt and Adam we're like, we should play this. And I was like, okay, but Liv has to play because that's a lot of time commitment. I don't want to like not hang out with you every weekend. Cause for a while we were playing every weekend. Yeah. So, and yeah, that was pretty much the, the start. So I, I've obviously been in this uh, campaign that Adam and Matt run since then. I'm also in another campaign that our friend Baxter runs. I play a totally different character in that. So um, it's been a lot of fun and I really enjoy it. And I feel like it's opened so many new avenues to express myself because I've always been, when I was younger, I was always the athlete and that's all I did. And then I went to school and all I did was 
videos and graphics and all that stuff. And it was never really, I only really started watching Star Wars once I started dating him and watching Marvel and stuff like that. So I had heard of it and I'd been interested in some of it, but I wasn't as interested as I was until I met him. So then at that point, my world kind of expanded. And then thus part of the reason that I decided to do this, because I mean, I'm so happy I did because it's so much fun and I like being able to kind of go and sit for a couple hours and just you know there's fun parts of me that I don't get to experience all the time because it's just not who I am and I get to go and be this you know very chaotic neutral person and say hey one time I want to you know I'm gonna throw an eldritch blast at this guy because he's making me annoyed or I can decide to help that child and I'm very flip-flop and and it's fun to kind of play somebody who you're not and that's pretty much what all my characters are for the most part they're people I'm totally not which is which is definitely fun so it's been a very eye-opening experience and a very exciting experience to say the least so for you it's really the it seems like for for Adam it's the the story or being the the dungeon master for you it's the the role-playing aspect of it is what you really like I'm not super good at it um you know, once this campaign concludes, which is very soon, so it's a little, it's it's exciting because I'm excited to move on to the next thing, but it's also sad because we've been doing this so long. But uh, I'm, I'm very excited to jump into my future character because I've already gone into it saying, hey, I'm 100% going to role play this the best I can because I've gotten this experience and I know I can go into it, I can come out of it, but this one, I'm, I'm very excited to almost wholeheartedly try to role play as much as I can with her yeah yeah it's just it's really fun and I do I do like the story I will admit and they know it some of our city names are stupid oh okay well now you have to give me an example okay like... so one of the first cities we ever named home base can I home base. wait a minute wait a minute wait, wait a home minute. base can I can no, I no. can I pause for just a second yeah. and just say that I thought when starting this game that rather than the dms coming up with all the names for everything. It would be a fun thing to open that up to the players because we knew we were going to be playing in this world a lot. So let's let's allow them to say, you know, we, we decide what happens in the town, what the town might be like. But let's just say, hey, you arrived at this new town and I'm just going to open it up. Does any someone else name this town so you can kind of contribute to the story? So who you want to know so what it was? The, well, the who, epic who, fantasy yeah. town name that we came up with for the first town in our campaign. Brownstown. Brownstown. <laughs> like Brownstown, like past effort at Brownstown. Okay, I know where you're at. Yeah. yeah. Which literally just is a place that exists in our world. <laughs> literally okay. where near where we live. So. Yeah. Oh, wow. Very creative, guys. And then the river, the Brown River. <laughs> well, that could get interesting, but yeah. But yeah. the leader of the town. Yeah, that's uh, Paul Brown Brown. Paul Brown Brown. But it's spelled P apostrophe A-L-L. Because you have to make it high fantasy. Whatever okay. you do. But actually, the reason that I... Name I, I decided on Paul Brown Brown was because your dad, Paul, and I was like, well, we're playing D&D, and he's D&D, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, well, that's kind of cool. That's like, yeah. hey, tribute a little bit. You know, that's neat. That's neat for sure. Yeah. Um, I will admit yeah. I was honored that my two suggestions for the name of the world and the continent were chosen, though. It wasn't like Ephrata. Yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> it's it's Thessia and Annalay. So like, Whoa, they were those cool. are cool. Yeah. I know. Like, elven, I'm like, can Olivia elvish? just like yeah. name all of these places from yeah. now on? Let's if just we have Olivia to name them, guys. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> so Nate, let's get your take. You know, how would you get into D and D? You know, what's your story on it? Well, same as 
what what Adam and Liv said, um, he roped us into that. But the reason that I was willing to give it a try was because it was coming from like there there is a game aspect to it. I play a lot of video games, so like the main selling point I remember was Adam was like, it's like Skyrim, but board game, and you can do anything instead of restricted to like the game mechanics. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty cool. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So since you talk about video games, what games do you play? Because I was waiting for somebody. Uh, Spider-Man 2. Yeah, well, Spider-Man 2 really just good. came out. So I yeah. played it a little bit. Uh, okay. It's really good so far. But all the Elder Scrolls type of games, Fallout. I know I got Liv into Fallout and she loves that. My main game for the past bunch of years has been Destiny 2, which Whoa. is... Um, My buddy plays that. It's it's fun. Yeah. Any uh, like the Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty, Battlefield, um, anything like that? I've played some Call of Duties. I haven't played Battlefield or or really any of the Assassin's Creed. Whoa, no Assassin's yeah, Creed? No. I have played the, the Shadow of War Middle Earth ones. I, I, I know those that. are similar to yeah. like Assassin's Creed those style. Those are good. But... I like them. Yeah, we're going to get really nerdy on this whole episode. <laughs> so if, uh, for all the listeners, like, just buckle up, all right? Just buckle <laughs> up. So let's dive into like how did you first all meet? What was the first iteration or when you, you, know, you first met – where was it? Did you get pizza? Were you drinking beers? Like, walk us through it. Here's the scenario. I said, let's all play this game. Everyone agreed. And then I said, all right, but before we get together, there's a whole bunch of homework and reading and stats because <laughs> you have to roll up a character. So I think there is a, a large barrier to entry that, that since I've, I've introduced a lot of people to the game and I've done it way better. Every single time gets better and better. But this initial wave of everyone getting together, I was like, okay. I know we need like a piece of paper and that's called a character sheet. I don't know how we decide what the numbers on it are, but that determines how good you are at things. So the basics of the game is you roll dice to determine if something happens. And then if you have any skills in something, you might add something to whatever you rolled or you might subtract something if you're bad at it. That's the basics of the game. A D20 or 20 sided die is what you use for 90% of the game. Um, There's all, all sorts of different dice. We can go over that then, but like, Basically, you're rolling a 20-sided die, and then depending on if your character is good at that or not, you add or subtract something, and then as the DM, I tell you the outcome. That's how the game works, right? But because you need that sheet in front of you to determine how good you are at things, before you play your first session, you need to roll up a character. So that's when you make decisions based on what uh, race race you are, what class you are, what you're good at, what you're not at, and that's partially determined by dice, that's partially determined by what type of person you want to play it's definitely one of those things where i know all of us anytime we play even a video game we spend like a ridiculous amount of time in character character creation and like oh you get a brain baldur's gate yeah baldur's gate that's dnd but a video game oh okay it's amazing i recommend it but like but like there's definitely the character creation screen on video games it's there's a big barrier to entry to roll up a character in dnd but once you have that then as you progress in the story you're just like adding to your numbers and getting better at the things you want to get better at um, so first session, I meet everyone separately at their houses and say, yep. try to figure out how to roll up these characters before we even meet, because I didn't want that to be the whole first session. We're playing in my basement, which is very classic. I'm glad we started playing in a basement, playing in my basement, borrowing little mini figurines that my dad had stashed away from years and That's years. That's awesome. I think I, also mixed in with some Legos I brought. Yes. Yeah. Like you, Lego. you literally need nothing, but your imagination to technically play the game. But luckily, we had we had some stuff to pull from as far as to represent things, uh, and 
we all we I moved some couches and like we're all like kind of sitting around a table, a central table where I had some map tile pieces. I overbought on a whole bunch of things because I thought I needed a lot. And now we realize we could literally sit here and play D and D just in our minds. It's a different kind of thing now that we understand the game. But uh, but basically, I got a whole bunch of people together, and then the first session was a I don't want to say a disaster, but everything took so long. It was very like okay, guys, let's start. So like. This is uh, where you are, and uh, you guys can name a town. And immediately, joke name of Brownstown came up. And, like, it just, we just laughed for 20 minutes. And then I was like, okay, you're here, uh, and you have to make a decision. And they're just like, who talks? Like, who decides these things? It's just like, I don't know, one of you. And, like, then it was just like, well, how do we know each other? And it was like, well, didn't think of any of this. So, 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 so you need some backstory for exactly. your characters. Exactly. So there's, yeah. like, yep. a backstory for your characters, what, how you meet, that, that sort of thing. So it's very much, like, picture... Uh, a modern like origin story everyone before they get to that first session comes up with their origin story of how they got there and then you justify why you're together usually there's uh, a combat or a quest that brings people together and then after that everyone's like hey we should continue to work together right and the dm's just like back there like crossing his fingers like everyone just agree don't play the stubborn character we need to actually get on with the game a lot of DD campaigns start in a tavern i mean you said these go for like maybe two three four hours is there food and drink so you're all around a table kind of like cheese how we are here and crackers cheese and crackers <laughs> ritz? the food ritz crackers uh no what are the ones no, you have club. crackers yeah it's very important so good. okay you get club crackers and you get cheese and you slice it up you need to have that i think the i'm gonna make a bold claim and I hope everyone's just gonna just gonna be okay with it. I'm gonna make a very bold game. I'm gonna flip claim the table. Yeah, <laughs> please the table. don't. Please don't. <laughs> um, here's my bold claim. I think the resurgence of charcuterie boards oh. is directly tied to the amount of people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Now. Whoa, that is a big claim. <laughs> because okay. that is the ultimate type of snack. You're sitting around it a table is. for like say four or five hours, like, and I, I'm just gonna ramp it up every time you said three four i'm going four five it'll be seven eight seven eight (laughs) so you sit around the table for three days right um no but it's it's one of those things where your your mind is working in such a way it's almost like if you're uh you know get in the zone at work and you just need to keep going your mind is in such a different place that you will just absentmindedly snack and drink and it's like no i don't need a big meal i don't want a plate with i don't want anything messy because i'm going to be picking up dice and rolling i need grabbable small food and just drinks keep them coming. The most sugary, the better, because we're usually, because we're adults, <laughs> staying up really late. So we yeah. need drinks that keep you going and then grabbable small bits of food. Yeah, pizza is yep. almost like too heavy to eat while mm. we're playing yeah. in terms of just like... And then where do you put the plate? You got yeah. all this grease. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's 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 interesting. It makes sense. It makes sense. You want finger foods. You want something you can eat real quick. And uh, of course, sugary drinks, right, to keep you up and keep you going. Gosh, there's so much to unpack there. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about, um, and then we'll go to some other questions. But when you, what do you say, roll a character, or you build your character, right? How many different characters are there? Like, is it like a fighter and like a wizard? Like, just give me a there's, problem. There are two of them. Uh, well, there's 12 classes, I think. Classes. 12 yeah, base and classes. They're, and they're, they're ever expanding because whenever anything gets popular, there's more books that come out and supplements. But here's the basics of it. Picture you want to create a character in a high fantasy world. You can play out this game, like I mentioned, in any type of setting. But picture high fantasy world. So you have guy who swings a sword really well. You have guy who's really strong that can bust through doors. You've got nerdy guy that reads uh, reads from books and casts spells. You've got guy who has some connection to a patron, whether it's a like deity or 
um, or like evil thing from its past or monster that it gets its power from. Um, you've got, and I say guy, guy or gal, that is super agile and can move around and can smack things and get out of the way really fast. Uh, and then you've got guy who gets his power from a deity like 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 God. Guy <laughs> basically calls on uh, his, his extra power from God. And like those are, uh, and then and then you've got a healer, which no one wants to play. But then you got a healer, and you've also you got, got guy who plays ma- music and makes magic from it. Yes. That's true. You've also got the <laughs> troll character, which is a bard. So like those are the basic types of characters you play. Obviously, you can get into details. You get different benefits from being different species. Essentially, they call it races, but it's really different species. I think they're changing the terminology actually yeah. with newer updates. I, I wouldn't. Yeah, that that makes total sense. Yeah, um, yeah. But but basically, so you you get starting stats based on the lineage of your species and then also what type of thing that you studied in and that's again just to inspire your background you get number stats on your character sheet that help you do certain things better but it's really all in my mind just a tool to help you build what approach you be coming from if you're like a holy man that gets it's his power his or her power from uh you know god a deity and has kind of like the backing support of that then you're naturally going to want to play a character that's lawful good. You know, you're going to want to follow the rules and you're going to want to uh, do good for the, the community, that kind of thing. So these these choices all inspire other things until you zone in on what type of character you are. I definitely recommend if, if people are starting out, it's really easy. Don't tell anyone who you picked, but either pick one or two uh, like movie characters and be like, okay, I'm going to play Indiana Jones. Okay, so what's Indiana Jones good at? And then, and then you go through and you say, well, if he was if this this type of character I want to play, um, you know, if he was good at being agile, good at being this, he might have these kind of stats, he might get this. And then you look at all your options and then you kind of craft and build that character. And this is all before the first session. So then you get in the room, a scenario presents itself. Now you've got ammo in your brain and you're no longer playing as Nate or Olivia or Adam. You're playing as Indiana Jones disguised indiana jones that's awesome okay exactly and that's how you approach it and it's so much fun because you get a table full of people all playing different characters that all have different motivations and a decision comes up and you're acting as one unit now and that vastly changes the story wow all right (laughs) just so much so let's get like nate let's get your character and then we'll go around okay i actually i did bring my my mini of the character i'm playing right now so yep so his name is sir lancelotti who actually is, that is awesome. named after my pediatrician. <laughs> <laughs> so okay. Because, okay. If you so, grew up in the area we lived in, there was a 97% chance that you had Dr. Lancelotti as your pediatrician. Oh, he was so at the Everett well Community known. Hospital. And, and so many people and have It's had like him. a multi-layered joke within the name. So there's Knights of the Round Table, Sir Lancelot. Yes. So then Sir Lancelotti, but also he's a paladin, so he has some healing abilities on top of being like good with oh. weapons. So it's it all, a little bit of a loose connection there. It ties but, in. Yeah. Um, and, the, and session one, we all laughed at his name because it was such a, a mean type me. joke. Not me. I thought it was good. But now. It just sounds normal. But now it is yeah. so normal. Like we've had intense scenes that we've played out where it's like, like, we literally had a scene where, like, Liv was in tears involving this character because we cared about him so much. It gets intense. Oh, yeah. Wow. I had to walk away from my computer. It, like, it, it can get intense. That but was this during is about COVID. Sir Lancelotti. Oh, well, you know, you buy, into the game, you buy into the world, yeah. 
and it's it it can get crazy. Yeah, it almost consumes you, right, while you're playing. Like you're so into the character. Yeah. So did you paint? How did how did you come? So about? there's a a really cool site called Hero Forge where you can like build your a custom character and they they print it and send it to you. So I I got that one. That's all metal, and then Adam painted that for me actually. So wow, yeah. And I have to point out the really awesome detail of the back of his cape. Sorry, everybody can't see it, but it is a little kobold face because very early on in our campaign, we had a crew of kobolds that hung out with us. Which is a little lizard dragon-ish type. That's what it looks like, a a dragon. Yeah, Yeah, they were very very cute, and they just, for some reason, they loved my character and just, like, hugged his legs and followed him around. So then, awesome. Yeah. In game, I was I found like a seamstress, and I was like, I need a kobold on my cape. Very cool. So, and you have a second character. You want to talk about this guy? So that first character actually died. Whoa, he died. Yep. So yeah, that's why die. I cried. Yep. So now, if he's dead, he cannot come back, or can he come back? Well, it's magic. So dungeon master, right? There, there is there's a spell magic, called so you can, There's there's a couple different magical cool ways to to bring someone back. So. So he died, so I had to make a new character, and so I made... Okay, well, hold on. Before you go, how did he die? Because um, the listener's going to want to know. We got ambushed by some bugs. Some bugs? <laughs> like, like that aliens, makes it bugs? seem really not <laughs> scary. Yeah, like ladybugs. But like, these okay. things were they, not good They bugs. could, like, inject something that ended up getting to his heart, like and, then, and then when I hit zero hit points, uh, he di- normally when you hit zero hit points, you can, like, roll to see if you get back up or stabilize or can be healed when he hit zero hit points he was just dead so okay so he's he's dead he was dead he was dead. getting in we're getting into our campaign now yeah he was dead he did come back he came back but in the meantime i i had to roll up a new character and sir lancelot he was pretty serious about like being a good good person doing he was like very classic paladin heroic guy so then when I made my new character, I made a three-foot-tall goblin okay, with a mustache and a cigar. Nice. And his name is Poop. Poop. Okay. P-U with an umlaut P. Okay. Um, and he had... I actually came up with this character because I was just messing around on that Hero Forge site. I, yeah. put a, I put a flute in his hand, and I was like, oh, that'd be funny if he thought he was a wizard and was waving this flute around, but the, the, mag- the magic music from the flute was him waving it around so he's technically he was a bard but i role played him as a wizard okay so this is your new character now well it was <laughs> it was All right. and then at, at, at one point i decided he didn't really fit the vibe the story was going because he was just a little guy who was kind of an idiot and i was like we're we're getting to like end of the world scenario and i was like this doesn't really there's no reason for him as a character and his motivations to want to stick around to save the world. All wow. I cared about was like collecting shiny things. Okay. So then I talked to the DMs. And I was like, "What if, what if Sir Lancelot came back?" And we came up with a a way that he could come back that felt good for the story. Yeah, Olivia, let's get a take on on your your characters. Who do you have? So because of the Sir Lancelot, so I started with a character originally, and I am a different character now. So. <clears throat> My character did not die, but I did not go back to her. She's still roaming around in the world. Which is a lot of fun for DMs because now we can track where her old character was and how she's influencing the story, and it's really cool. But I don't know. But she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like like if something like that happens, it kind of gets put into the DMs kind of 
arsenal and it's cool to involve them in the story behind the scenes yeah yeah it's kind of like when you get halfway through a show and then the one episode starts with a flashback and you're like oh so that's what they were doing during Uh, this time but we still don't know you don't know yeah so my first character her name was is because she's not dead i don't think (laughs) desaria so basically the conception of her was we were playing elder scrolls online and i was trying to make a character on there and i wanted it to be legitimate for the the race and the class that she was. So I think we even looked it up that she's a wood elf and there are certain prefixes and suffixes of a wood elf that you can use in their name that make them that way, I guess. So D E S was one of them. Also game of Thrones was on and I'm obsessed with Arya Stark. Yes. So she ended up being Desaria. No last name. Now that I think about it. (laughs) So when we started this D and D campaign, I thought, okay, well I already created this character. So why don't I bring her into this world? And then I'll get to play her more. So she is a human. No, she's not a human. She's a wood elf. Um, I sometimes I forget that wood elf is like an actual race. It's not like she looks human. She just has pointy ears. But she is a wood elf druid named Asaria. Um, She's super old. She's like 240, but she wouldn't look that way because she's an elf and she ages differently. She looks pretty good. Yeah. So the reason we're looking at the mini she's holding a bow and arrow is because her father was really into archery and stuff like that so she pulled that from him and then her mother was a druid so she is actually a druid and a druid just for the listeners it is a it's like a nature wizard basically yes so one of the really apparently i learned after the fact that it is not a good idea to play a druid as your first character So um, breaking all the rules. They're pretty complicated. Yeah. So one of the biggest appeals for that character was actually that she could turn into animals. And I'm, I love animals. So I was like, oh, that's so cool. And so there's a, something with her class and stuff like that. And being a druid where she can turn into animals, it's called wild shape. So if I see an animal, I can turn into it. And uh, one time I'm going to bring this up because it's so funny one time, I rolled a really nice perception check, and I saw a spider. Nobody in our, like, I think everybody's characters don't like spiders because everybody's physical player does not like spiders. Yeah, he hates spiders. He hates, everybody hates spiders. Okay. So it's funny. We make the joke that if you ever see a spider in our world, it's me because I'm the only spider in the world. Uh, apparently. There you go. <laughs> so, but it's yeah. really fun. I can turn into, like, giant spider. I can... I didn't get to play her into the point that I could turn into flying creatures because Lancelotti had died. And so at that, so I was playing her originally and then Lancelotti died and we kind of took a break because it was the first player death that we had had. And it was, I think a lot for all of us. So it was, you can come back as your original character or you can roll a new character. So I was kind of, because I was playing Desaria wrong, sort of, in a sense, because I was kind of treating her as an archer when I should have been treating her as a druid, I decided, you know what, I'm going to step away from her. I have a really cool idea that I want to work with, which brought in my second character. And you may look at her and or hear what she's about and then be like, oh, I know exactly who she is. As Adam was speaking to, a lot of my characters are based on characters that I enjoy seeing in movies or TV shows. So... WandaVision, (laughs) Scarlet Witch, Wanda Maximoff is my favorite Marvel character. So Violet Mora, who is a variant human, she is a sorcerer and a warlock. Uh, She basically looks like Scarlet Witch, except she has 
ice blonde hair. She's purple instead of red, like purple outfit instead of red. She's got ice blue eyes. And she is a mess, okay. um, <laughs> is the best way to put it. She, she's gone through quite a lot in her childhood. I did write a full backstory for her. Um, her entire family is dead. It's pretty sad. Whoa. I've learned I'm not going to do Classic that anymore. Yeah. Classic D&D. Everyone I knew hey, and loved in my past quick, life is gone. Quick side thing, though. I In the other group that we play with Baxter, I was like, you know what? I'm going to make a character whose whole family is still alive. All his friends and everything are good. We show up to his place that he grew up and he was like everyone's dead and i was like no <laughs> you actually made parents alive and you killed them wow just like that the dungeon yeah. master yep. like, yeah. it was pretty brutal yep. it was a very brutal session cut through. um <laughs> okay but yeah so i'm i've been having a lot of fun playing her she has a lot of complexities to her as a character and when i said earlier that i kind of get to play somebody that i'm not she is there are alignments in D D, which is what he said lawful good i said chaotic uh, neutral, which is what she is. So it's just basically the way you play your character and how they act. Uh, so she is chaotic neutral. So she's a little bit of, you never, you never really know what she's yeah, going to do, which is, toes. which is fun. So yeah, actually right now in our campaign, which is kind of exciting, we are on the Island she was born on, which is Toa. And there's a whole bunch of backstory stuff going on right now. That's really exciting for, for me and for her. Um, it's but. crazy you mentioned that, like she's on an island and everything. Because when I look at the character, not knowing, I think of, um, and I can't think of the character's name, but Atlantis with uh, oh. Milo and he meets. Car- oh. Oh, what's her name? Beautiful Kiara? girl. Is it Kiara or I don't remember, Kira or something? But I know yeah. like that. About. Yeah. So it's just it's just crazy that she lives on an island. And, yeah. And, and, yeah. It's she. You wouldn't think she does, and based on the way the island looks now, you would definitely not think she's from there. But she is. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited to play her to completion which is going to be soon because the campaign is very close to ending um but like i said i'm excited to move on to my future character i don't have a mini of her to kind of spoiler but she is a tiefling okay what's uh, a, tiefling? a female tiefling is her like name a... is i don't know how to explain it so tieflings devil, they're kind of? yeah they're like i guess that yeah they're devils sort of but they i think they like descended from devils or something like yeah, that Yeah, it doesn't okay nerding out tieflings they don't necessarily need to be evil, even though they all have horns. Yes. <laughs> she does oh, okay. have horns. Okay. Yeah, they have like red yeah. skin usually. I could picture. Yeah. Mine has blue skin. Okay. We're gonna go but then they tone. have some horns. They I think well, like Hellboy? Kinda? Or kinda. Not so much. Yeah, I mean yeah. it can uh, the horns can kinda can totally be whatever. look like Hellboy. Yeah. Right. But that's the right. fun thing is you can kinda make it however you want it to gotcha. look. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very cool. And you have a third Yes. Character. So I have everybody here because I brought my ginormous everybody. dice bag. So here's the thing about Olivia Holmes. I am a dice goblin. <laughs> um, that is the coin term. When we were starting D&D, we went to Six Feet Under Games. Shout out to them. They're great. And I bought like eight or nine sets of dice. Oh, wow. I didn't need that many, but Everyone it just happens. Everyone share one set of dice around yeah. the entire table. And for those of you that can't see, there is a gallon jug size bag on the table that yeah. is full to the brim of ridiculous dice. <laughs> Me and Liv both have a bag like that. 
Yes. It just so it happens. There's to like some. eight or nine okay. pockets in here, and I have them separated out by That's the awesome. dice type. That's so cool. But yeah, it's it's exciting. Hey, you never know when you're gonna need that many dice. Sometimes yeah. he does. His Lancelotti, he needs like eight d six, and it's like, well, wow. if he didn't have it, he'd have to borrow it from people, and like, or you just roll some it a people's times. dice have bad juju, and then you have yeah. to immediately put them in dice jail or throw them. Yes. Across the room. Dice jail is a thing when they're when a dice is acting it's up. Not an actual yeah. thing. You just it, it is. <laughs> None of this. I, is yeah, I, I just wanted to make sure yeah. that's not part of the rules. No, no, this is actually <laughs> no. real. When, when my D20 is rolling anything, everything lower than a 10, I stop using it's it. It's going to jail. It's, nice jail. It, it gets set to the side because I can't handle it anymore. Because that could be between life and death. Yeah, So right, right. if it's not going to roll well, it's going to go away. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but this third character I have here, so this is in my second, in the second group. We're, we're actually all in Baxter's group too. That is a separate campaign. Her name is... She's an Asimir, which is basically a fallen angel, sort of like celestial, godlike. She is she has a. Wings. Yes. She has wings. Right. I have wings. She is a barbarian, and her name is Ayla Cora. And basically, I just saw some character art on the internet one time. They were, he was like, hey, we're joining Baxter's group. And I was like, okay, I don't have any character ideas. So I just kind of searched, and I knew I kind of wanted to be a barbarian, which. In typical is I hit things hard with an axe or a hammer. Makes sense, yeah. And so she I found an some character oh, yeah. art. It, it actually broke. There, there was yeah. a big axe head there. Yeah. But... It's okay. Oh, I would never know. I thought she was just holding it. No, you're good. She's holding it down. No, and it kind of looks like it's it down, be. so it works. But there we go. Okay. yeah, so she is um, very grumpy. Um, she's not very nice. She's very meatheaded, which is fine. Nothing wrong with being a meathead. Uh, yeah, but she's kind of fun to play because both of Violet is very magic oriented and Desaria was kind of more magic. I mean, it's not super magic, but being a druid, there is magic elements to that. Whereas Ayla is just swinging an axe okay. or swinging a, a hammer, whatever she wants to swing. So it's a lot less to keep track of. So I almost feel like I could be wrong. This is just me saying this. So my just my opinion It's probably easier to not play a caster as your first character just because it kind of there's a lot of rules that come along yes with that. Yeah. and with a barbarian like i said it's just they have different things and different skills that they can do but it's pretty much just i hit people with x right. so it's it's very easy to learn the rules with that sort of character because yeah. you just run up and you hit somebody it's for a first time uh, you're, you're a tank player that's then you don't have to yeah. worry about a spell list and then Which reading all i've of got the spells. like 45 spells as Whoa. violet to to manage and and some of the spells are like you have different level spells of and those different levels there's how much damage they do i could have a spell in you know, level spell two, three, four, and mm -hmm. they are all the same thing. They just do more damage depending on it. So it just, it gets very busy in our, yeah. in our D and D beyond looking at that, which is how we kind of manage all of our characters and, and scrolling through and finding what's going to work best for the situation that you're in. So she's, she's been a breath of fresh air for sure between Violet and, and Ellie is a rogue. So my future character. So she's also kind of not, magic-y which will be fun to explore so I'm, i have four totally different characters you do is... four different playing styles yeah. Really. yeah and if anyone likes um resource management in games if that's your kind of thing i know a lot a lot of uh gamers that play card games and things like that that are managing mana that kind of thing there's very real element of that to spell casting in D D. so if that's something that you enjoy messing around with 
than play a caster because it's very much like, okay, I could cast this high level spell, but I can only do it once a day. So like, is now the right time to do it? Or I could do this, but then I might run out of time to do this. Or like, I'll run out of these spell slots. There's a lot of that that comes along with that type of character. They can be fun when you're when you're ready for it or if that's your type of thing. There, yeah, there's a lot of different options that can fit exactly your play style or whatever. The pieces here, there'll be photos, uh, American Grown Podcast, Facebook and Instagram that we can see. I mean, they're very detailed, the paintings and everything. And like, what is what is one of these like cost roughly 20, 40, 50 um, bucks? Well, um, no. I, it, it, depend, it depends on if you're if I you're really customizing, ordering it, someone 3D prints it, and they 3D print it with painted stuff, mm-hmm. you can spend a lot of money on it. Yeah. So it could be upwards of maybe 150 bucks, I'll say. But you could also use a thimble or a Monopoly piece to represent yeah. your character. So you don't yeah. have to go all out. This is just like... This, this is, is just yeah. extra. This is after this you're playing just, for a long time. This is yeah. extra yeah. where we're like, hey, that'd be cool. I want a guy yeah. to actually represent what my guy looks like. They're really cool. I think for a long for the first like 10 sessions, I, mm-hmm. I printed out a picture of... Dr. Lancelotti and photoshopped no. a sword into his hands. <laughs> so that awesome. was my that was my mini for a little while. Okay. So you don't need these high end. No. No. You know, very you don't even figures. need anything physically. Again, yeah. You could you can play in your mind as crazy as that sounds, yeah. but yeah. But there's different types of of like these are from Hero Forge, so there's different types of. I don't think this is available anymore. Or yeah, it's really something exce- happened during COVID where yeah. they, the one option for metal but wasn't available. Like this one, it, it's metal, so it's a lot sturdier, but it doesn't come painted. So like Adam painted his, I left mine blank because I'm too indecisive of how I wanted her to look. And then with these two, they're plastic, so they're a little more fragile, but they they, came they were like pre-painted, painted, yeah, yeah, which okay. is nice. So yeah, they're awesome characters. I mean, really, really cool. So now, Adam, your role as a dungeon master. Give us a breakdown of that, because the only thing I know, and maybe a lot of listeners, if they watch Stranger Things, is, you know, who is it? Uh, Eddie, I think, is the character. He's the dungeon master. We love Eddie. Oh, he's phenomenal. Um, That scene there before he dies, which I don't know if he really... He might come back, but... Oh, yeah, spoiler. Sorry about that. Spoiler. So what is your role as the dungeon master, and how do you you make this world come alive and, like, keep track of everything? Because there sounds like there's so much going on. Sure. And, yeah, a lot of notes. No. So here's, I want to bring as much value as possible for your listeners, right? So I don't want to, I know we just divulged down a rabbit hole of specifics about the characters, which is awesome to give you an idea of how you can get invested in stuff. But let me, let me kind of break things down, make it simple for those that have been thinking about playing or are playing or, or, uh, you know, want to figure out who should play what role to the stranger things thing back to your, your reference, the first season of stranger things, they're all in the basement. Literally the one guy's dressed up as a wizard like that, although we thank Stranger Things for bringing D&D to the forefront, we cringe when we watch that. Because I promise you, you don't have to dress up like anything. It's actually a lot of fun and cool. There are real life lessons learned, and it is not as nerdy as that. That was very much like classic what people think D&D is. Mm-hmm. The Eddie era is much more accurate to what it really is. Is this group storytelling back and forth, making quick decisions, rolling dice to make the outcomes. Um, so my role as a dungeon master... Um, this is, I've heard it broken down this way before, and I think this really helped me visualize it. So my role as a dungeon master is to access my imagination because I'm constantly coming up with things and scenarios, but then at the same time, I'm coming up with on the fly, the improvisational skills come in a little bit, what the reaction is to whatever the players are going to do, and I don't know what they're going to do. Right, right, yeah, it's very That's much the thing. on the fly. Yeah. Very much on the fly. Like, no matter what you have planned as a DM, 
the players are going to do something different most of the time, and you have to be able to roll the punches. So you, it's kind of coming up with like, okay, let me get really in my mind of, uh, you know, imagining what this character looks like maybe uh, in any situation, and then they're going to interact with that character. Um, and then I get to play as that character. So I'm constantly switching hats, that kind of thing. So my role as a DM is tapping into my imagination. Their role as the players is not to imagine things. Their role is immersion. The best case scenario for a Dungeons & Dragons game, in, in my mind, is that the DM is quick to lay the tracks out before their train comes barreling through, right? But I want them to feel like they're part of the scenario in, in the world that I'm kind of creating and laying out in front of them, if that makes sense. I'm trying to use yes. as many analogies yeah. as possible to try to get across the concept that that I'm creating the let's let's use the tavern example. I'm creating the tavern. I created the bartender. I know what his motivations are. I may have pre-planned potentially, depending on how much of a ruckus the party stirs up, a bouncer at the door that can throw them out. I think of these things, and then I say, "Here's the tavern," and I lay it out in front of them. So you really paint the story, uh, the backstory, and the the world for which the characters are in. It's all from your mind, and you create the could I say maybe uh, the NPCs, right? The, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Throwing out terminology. Yes. NPC, yeah. which stands for non-playable character. There it yeah. is. Yes. So and there, I am. There are am... a lot of times too where just going to the improv where you might have a bunch of things planned, and one of us as the players will be like, "Let's find a random guy and ask him some questions," and then you suddenly you're like, "Okay, now now I'm that guy. Here's a so, brand new guy." Right. So I I'm the narrator. I set the scene. So in a way, I'm role playing as the tavern as a whole kind of community, the vibe. What does it feel like when you walk in? What do you smell? What do you see? What's it like? Uh, what's the protocol? Uh, who's doing what at this very moment before I plop the characters in there? And then if they want to interact with something or someone going on, I then am playing as that person. If you know you're all going to get together for a session, you know, a four or five, what are we up to? 12-hour session? Um, six weeks. Six weeks, yeah, right. Six, yeah. seven weeks, yeah. <laughs> so, like, do you... Uh, write notes down or like pre-plan before like okay it's three days before you're like okay i gotta i gotta create this world like how does that or is it a world that you've already created from session one and you just add on pieces as you go right it's it's a mixture of both you start out with nothing if you're doing a homebrew session a homebrew world if you do something like i mentioned in my harry potter game you've got that okay hogwarts exists now do i want to change anything about it okay so for this thing Let's change all the teachers. Let's get some new faces in there. But Hogsmeade can exist, and they already know that. They can buy into that. That's fine. Um, so if you're doing a homebrew session, you have to create that initially. But then once you've kind of created this structure, all you're trying to do, like I said, is just be one step ahead of the players. So constantly gaining feedback either through interactions with NPCs or talking with the players and letting them discuss what they want to do next or what their theories might be or their approach, that might determine what happens next. We always joke that that during a session, uh, you know, no one mentioned dragons. No one mentioned things that you might not want to run into because the DM would be like, oh, you know what? That's a good idea. Yeah. And on the fly, they don't know what I can write into the yeah, story. what's going to happen. What yeah. I can write into the story. So there's there's prep that happens in the, in the initial, but in this world that we're playing for a long time, it's really me just justifying what those people would be doing behind the scenes, what's going on now. How it affects the world. And how it's going to affect what they're doing. So say, so say they're about to go to a town... We already created the town 
sessions ago, months ago, maybe the last year we created the town. That's already set up. I did the work of creating what shops are in that town. Um, I might have some basic notes on names and NPCs of people to interact with. I don't know what they're going to say. I don't know what that is. My main thing that I want to prepare for before this next session, if I know that they're going there, is, okay, what's happening in the town? Okay, well, civil war broke out. So now if they're going to this town, which is kind of the hub for um, the military forces, and this is where those big meetings are taking place, the leader of this one side of the war lives here. Okay, now they want to go to the blacksmith to get something, but they're fresh out. Because all their resources and supplies and the time for them to get their new sword repaired or, or, you know, leveled up or whatever is going to be two weeks rather than next afternoon. Because when they go there and I describe that scene, I'm describing, yeah, you, you get up to the blacksmith. You've been here before. Here's the name of it. You see the friendly person working there. And there's a couple new people. Oh, look, they, they brought in more help because they have so much workload. You see behind the, the counter, you see all these tags of all these repairs that need done and they're all like balanced due but like overdue and even before they open their mouth to talk to someone they now have this familiar scenario this familiar setting but a new scenario to play and interact with and then i see what happens wow because i just want to come up right now and get like a mithril vest right isn't that lord of the rings isn't it mithril or something like that oh yeah elvish vest all right so obviously role-playing storytelling takes a big part in it and then the 20-sided dice or the dice are kind of like the final decision, right? Because those numbers all mean something. And without the dice, like without the dice, you can't play the game. The dice is very crucial. Right. So let's... The the dice is probably the only thing you... That and the character sheet are probably the only things you actually need to play. Exactly. And I think this would be a good time to... Let's play out this scenario. That that scene I just described to you, okay? You're playing this game now. Your character, say you're playing as yourself. Say you're playing as yourself. You're playing okay. out the scenario. You want a mithril vest. Yes. Okay, that's what you want. This blacksmith looks overrun. I've already set the scene for you. Okay. Now, you want this mithril vest. What do you do? Well, I'd go over to him and nicely ask if he could bump me in front of all the tickets in exchange for maybe, let's say my character does printing. We print a local paper. Sure. And uh, I happen to have some coin in my pocket so i give him some coin i slide it under the table though so that the other workers don't see it and i say hey can you uh you know get this through sure and and the worker that's that's behind the counter turns around he's a seven and a half foot tall half orc he looks down at you and he says so it's a bribe then yeah and now i would ask you to roll persuasion check for me which i guess would be the perfect time to introduce your new dice set whoa what are you guys what is this thank you whoa check us out okay so wait okay so this is a dice set for me yes for thank you, you guys. to keep you have your official first set of D dice that's awesome i was gonna ask american grown colors thank too you. red white yes. and blue red white and blue um okay 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 cool so, so pop them open yes yeah, pop them open find the 20 sided die that's this one okay yep. my sides and roll right. it this is gonna be your persuasion check to see if you convince them or not what I get? Is that 16? You have a 16, and and would you consider yourself, this is where your character sheet would normally come in, but would you consider yourself a very type of persuasive person? Are you good publicly talking with people and yeah well so he's he's like a salesman so he's pretty good he's kind of slick but not a car salesman like a dirty salesman not like that sure um so yeah he can he can persuade and i got a 16 you had a 16 so because you're persuasive and you rolled up that character you would refer to your sheet and i we did a persuasion check so you look next to persuasion and you have a plus three so you add three to that roll. Oh, so I have 19, which is close you to 20. You have 19, which is close to 20, which would so, be like the 
best case scenario. Yeah. And so anytime that there's a role like that, the the DM secretly either in the moment or previously determined like how hard it is. How hard it is. So like oh. if it if it's easy, the DC might be five, which means if you roll above a five, you're good. Okay. But if it's something really challenging, it might be 15, 20, even 25, depending on how hard it is. So, oh, wow. which so like he would have just sure, like secretly sure. in his mind come up with a number you had to beat right. before you rolled. So did, so did, so, I, did yeah. I beat it? Where are we at? So as soon as you said, I want to go up and persuade him, I'm considering in the back of my head, in this scenario, this guy's got a, work to, a lot of work to do. You see that he's behind. He's got this stuff going on, but you brought a lot of stuff to the table. So this is going to be a hard difficulty but not easy so an easy difficulty would be let's just say a 10 that would be on a normal day you need a 10 you needed a 15 here you exceed it past Whoa. that he said, yes. so he turns to you he turns to you and says grabs the money kind of uh side-handedly and says nice. yeah i think i got an extra one around here and he goes grabs grabs it for you and he gives you a good price on it and that's how the game works that is so cool <laughs> that's how the game works but i didn't know what you were going to look for i didn't know that you were going to go to the blacksmith at all when you came to the town but now we have this interesting scenario that played out and it's the memories and the role playing that we just went through as basic as that was that you're going to remember. You'd be like, remember when we went to town and they were like overworked, but I convinced that guy. Yeah. And I was picturing, like you said, the, the orc, you know, seven foot, uh, big orc. I'm picturing like a Lord of the Rings mixed with uh, Harry Potter when mm-hmm. the trolls in the dungeon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm just this, this human, uh, maybe uh, what you call him, brute or, uh, you know, the guy that just hits things and breaks things because <laughs> yeah. I'm new so I don't want to take on too much I don't want to be like a wizard or a <laughs> druid um, this is so cool guys wow yeah. thank you very much so okay is my is my role playing done for now or are we still in the world listen <laughs> we can do whatever you want to do it's oh, your man. podcast man that's <laughs> how the, fun it is yeah, it's there, easy to just on the fly and there's a scenario where like if you didn't meet that then the the guy's like, sorry, I'm not going to do business with you. And then you're like, well, now how do I get it? And then yeah. you, you start thinking of other solutions. And then you steal it. Yeah, I was going to say, potentially you have another party member that noticed that this happened. And when, when you're sleeping tonight, we'll come back here and we'll steal it for you. And then how do you react to that? And then yeah. as a DM, But they might I have to back. roll if to, right. to get caught. You might have a, right. a friend go to jail and then you have Bust you just get into crazy, fine, yeah. Whatever, you just get you know. into crazy stuff. Wow. Wow. It, just, it just goes and goes and goes. And that's, that's where... The best part about it is not you and me. This is just one-on-one here. It's when you have everyone cooperatively storytelling together. That's where it really, really gets fun. This is so cool. Like, I want to keep playing, but I feel like we got to get back into <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. So, but thank you, guys. This is really <laughs> neat. I've never had anyone, obviously. You guys are the first and probably the only people <laughs> that will come on for Dungeons & Dragons. But it's <laughs> awesome. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun so far. So, let me just check something real quick. Do you guys take a drink, take a drink of water if you want? I never tried four mics, so mm. I didn't know if we were going over the recording time because the memory card, if it's just two, if it's two, it can record longer. Anyway, we're mm-hmm. good. We're good. <laughs> we're really good. We're, oh, sweet. We've got plenty of time. So again, thank you guys for, and what is this dice set called? Or, uh, just a dice set. It's, just dice yeah, set. so. Okay. Um, like what's all, what's all here? Like, can I go and play now? Is this what I need to play? That's it. Yes. That's yeah, it's a first level yeah. character, depending, definitely. Depending on the spell or the weapon, when you like attack something, you will roll the d20 to see if you hit. But then if you do hit, then like if you have a, a short sword, it might be a d6. And so then you roll the d6 for your damage. Or, and then that would also have a plus to it, similar to your perception check, yeah, or your persuasion your check, or, or whatever you're trying to do. Okay. Wow. Very so, cool. So, yeah, yeah, it's it's the D20, the D12, the D10, the D8, the D6, a D4, which is the triangle, and then there is a D100, which is the one with the double zeros. Okay. And that one... Yeah. Yeah. So you that roll, one you don't use yeah. very often, but it gives you the choice to, you know, roll for 
this a is percentage awesome. kind of. Oh boy. Courtney, that's my wife. Um, we could be in trouble here. I might be I'm a Dungeons and Dragons player. Uh, I know. I feel like a dungeon I feel like a D and D set though should always come with a chance cube because you can use the D six. It's basically now a chance we're going cube. Off. Yeah. But go. you know, you do one through three this thing, four through six the other thing, but um he Nathan has some chance cubes that he bought at Galaxy's Edge when we were in so Disney ch- World. Chance, oh, cube chance cube from Star Wars. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it's just got Blue on three sides and red on three sides. But you and, never but chance cubes. There's, there's a it's lot of time. It it's way more fun than flipping a coin because sometimes I'm like, I don't know what to decide, so I'll roll my chance cube. That's awesome. And you're combining two worlds, Dungeons and Dragons with Star Wars. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, all, his all my future D&D, character. All my D and D characters canonically have chance cubes, so that's just there you go. That's what's happening. It's just what's going on. So yeah. let's talk about Olivia. Your shirt, uh, Critical Role. Yes. Uh, I saw him on Twitter. And then I think I had to go over to Twitch. Tell the listeners uh, about that and uh, how they can listen to that if they want to. So I will speak to what I know. Nathan has watched every single episode that they've ever released. Adam has also probably watched more than me because he's been following them longer than me. But Critical Role, basically, they always say that there are a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors who sit around and play Dungeons & Dragons. So they're all voice actors, also actors, actors. And they've been doing this, I believe it's eight years, where they have been originally on Geek and Sundry, which was on YouTube. I don't know if it was on Twitch, because I wasn't watching then. I don't think any of us were watching then. But No, Twitch was new for yeah. them. When they, so yeah. they were live streaming their D&D sessions. And they just kept going and going and got bigger and got bigger and got bigger. And now I believe, um, unfortunately, Twitch leaked streaming number numbers or something like that but i think they were like the highest streamed or something like that and they just record themselves playing dungeons and dragons and it's really cool they're they're very very into the role play they're very very good at playing that game and they're voice actors so it's amazing so like you can like listen to them talk like we can do stupid voices here and just joke around but 90 percent of our session not 90 percent, i'll say 50 percent of our session is inside jokes and weird things that other people don't get Mm -hmm. when they record they're in character the whole, like mostly yeah. the whole yeah. session, and they're all talking in different voices depending on the character. Like, and I they're remember really good at when, it. When you put on Critical Role for the first time and I saw it, I was like, oh, that's cool. They have some British people. And you're like, no, they're voice yeah, actors. They're voice actors. <laughs> oh, so that's they, good. They yeah. turn on accents. They're the ones that are in all this animated stuff being released and yeah. like high, like big ticket stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when they sit around and play Dungeons and Dragons, it's like you can second hand like usually when you play dnd I, I always say don't invite someone that's not going to play because you want everyone to be immersed so that they're picturing the story because from the outsider's point of view especially if there's a lot of inside jokes it just seems like chaos but to those involved you're really immersed in it they're so good at voice acting and um and the immersion side of things as i was talking about as players that you're watching and you feel like you're watching a movie almost you get lost in it second handedly which is a, a testament to how good they are at buying into the world they're playing in. they've made me cry many a times because characters die or just the story that and the story and yeah. it's just he i i would say if you want to be a dm strive to be matt mercer but you will probably never be matt mercer and that is okay it's totally okay he is just on another level of dm and it's just like he he's been building this world for eight years that they're playing wow. in yeah. they play 
they're they played two full campaigns in this world they're in the middle of the third campaign right now which is i brought two of my little friends yeah. this is mr and this is pat tay they are both familiars right um, i don't know yeah, mr's kind of weird but pat basically they're familiar. pets of some of the characters yeah oh, so okay. <laughs> these are i think two of my favorite campaign three characters uh Laudna has Pate and Fern has Mister. So it's just the and they create such cool characters too. And it's just it it's so exciting. But the world that they've been in has been built, and even sometimes at the end of sessions, they will go somewhere and they'll meet somebody, or or they'll hit a story or a plot line that has been written since campaign one six years ago. Wow! And they only just now touched it. But it's not with the same with a whole different group, with of, a characters, whole different group yeah. of characters. So because... they have no clue what's going on. But everybody knows they're like, oh, my gosh, this is my mom. This is this person. This is my character's mom. And she's been here this whole time. But my original character did not know she was here. But now this character who doesn't know who she is knows she's here. Mind blown. And it's or, just like where things come up where it's like they're like, when did you plan this? And he's like, well this is how the world naturally would be progressing in the background while all these other things are happening. So it's like, he's still like telling a story. I, th I think he joked recently, Matt Mercer, their DM that he was like, yeah, when we're done playing on camera, I get to go play by myself to like fill in the gaps of yeah, like the outside yeah. story. Right. Right. To have that backstory filled in for the next yeah. session. Yeah. Like I said, I was scrolling through TikTok. And it showed like a behind the scenes. So it was really cool mm -hmm. to see like all their microphones and all the cameras. Like you could tell it's professional. Yeah. Like the amount of money just in the gear, let alone the table they were sitting at, you know, and, and uh, the, the dungeon master had his like wall of privacy or whatever, <laughs> yep. you know, that is. Wall of privacy. We got to use it's, that yeah, now. Yeah, that's it's, good. Usually called a DM screen, but DM wall screen. of privacy is amazing. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. Cool. That seems like it, it, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. That's what it Pretty is. Much. Right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. Usually the DM has notes on that. So it just helps to keep things more, okay. more organized. And, yeah. and I'm constantly making roles behind the scenes, determining what happens in the scene that I don't necessarily want players to see. Because if, yeah, if you have to make a roll and we see that you roll high, we're going to know that like oh. he's going to do something good or like yeah. something worked for him. But yeah. we shouldn't, as the character, shouldn't necessarily know the outcome of the dice roll. We would just have to react to what the character says. More, more realistic to more natural. Like if, yeah. I, if I knew that I had to get that you know, uh, 15 and I got to 16 you know then it's like oh i knew i got it but the fact that i didn't know you know what i mean yeah yeah you know that got the the mithril vest so critical role is on like what twitch youtube i mean you can catch it anywhere for people yeah. listening thursday recommend... nights okay yep. 7 p.m pacific standard time so 10 p.m eastern not standard sponsored. time i was gonna say yeah, here's not the sponsored, thing this podcast, i'll say this we we'll plug him. Yeah. he he watched as i said he watched some of campaign two and then went back and watched all, or you watched all of campaign I, two. I jumped in and I was like, oh, I can just jump in whenever because it's all made up. So it doesn't matter. And then I was like, okay, I'm missing some context. So then I went and started over at the beginning of the second campaign. And then I eventually caught up. And then I was like, you know what? I'm going to watch their first campaign. So then I caught up on that. And then they started their third campaign. 
which we watched. So I only started watching their third campaign. They do have an animated series on Amazon of their first campaign. It's It's amazing. They've raised so much money. Like they, yeah, they they did a Kickstarter and they they put some goal. They wanted to get like a couple hundred thousand dollars or something, and they ended up crossing like four million dollars. Like wow, they were like, this is huge. They were like, they did a Kickstarter and they were like, hey, if we hit the goal, we'll make one episode of our thing. And now they have multiple seasons, multiple seasons, and then they also announced they're doing their second campaign as an animated series as well so like wow. yeah it's so cool. it's on amazon Epic. yeah it's okay. very it's very good but it's just so i only started watching on campaign three fully so i've we still have half of an episode to watch because like i said it starts at 10 p.m and it's usually a four-hour session and i can't stay up until 2 a.m and then go to everlast right. i just would fall apart <laughs> so yeah. i would fall asleep so we still have half of a campaign to watch <clears throat> but um we uh it's so it's so exciting to watch and to sit down with him and watch and then we go to D and we talk about it and we're like did you watch critical role and it's like oh my gosh all this stuff happened that's so cool and actually lately it's hilarious how like we're running on the same line our campaign and their campaign like in our campaign we just jumped through a huge hole in the ground in their campaign they just jumped through a huge hole in the ground no. and there's some but really we did it first weird... yeah we did it i first. gotta say matt mercer officially critical role <laughs> You're stealing all my ideas. <laughs> oh, like, let's go. I'm like stealing even, all my ideas. Laura Bailey so, stole yeah, Violet. Yeah, so it's crazy. I had Violet created like <clears throat> what? quite a few months before. I think they started around October of like 2020, 2021. I think they weren't. I th- they were all back around the table. So yeah. I think it was 2021. And they were introducing their characters in the first episode. And they were explaining what they looked like. And I was like, huh. Imogen sounds a lot like Violet and they're almost, they're not exactly the same, but there are a lot of things where they're running on the same course. They're both storm oriented. They're both purpley. They both have very, (laughs) it's, it's, it's being purple is a lifestyle. Um, and then, so there's just so many fun things where they're just like, but yeah, it's, it's fun. And, and they just, I mean, I strive to be the way they are, and I never will be, and I'm okay with that. But it is fun to, to get to watch them, and and even crazier, even crazier. We, well, we've talked about New York Comic Con before. Yes. That was last year. Yeah. And so, weren't you all just there? Yeah. On the 13th, because my birthday is October 14th. Yeah. So, so it, I think it was the 12th or something like that. Yeah. We mind blowing to even think about it. So it's cool that they have events where you can go and you can see people's artwork and all of the cool things people sell and and dice that they make and stuff like that but there's also like this totally separate thing there at events like new york comic-con where they're like hey meet people you've been watching your whole life like yeah ewan mcgregor nathan got a picture with ewan mcgregor nice dressed up as him on a boat looking at sea otters okay (laughs) ewan mcgregor knew who he was like who he was cosplaying. I would know. He knew Nathan. No. Yeah, Yeah, I'm friends with You're on that level. Hey, can we get on the podcast? Part of the reason we went was because Critical Role was going to be there. And we're like, if this is the only chance we get to meet them, this is why not now? So we actually got a photo with the entire cast as well as Ashley Johnson separately. She plays in the campaign, but she's also Ellie, the voice actress for Ellie in The Last of Us. <gasps> Love the last so of us. good video game and so good TV series. Yeah, yeah. it's a, she, all of it. She played beautiful. Ellie's mom in the live in yes. the show. She was Ellie's mom in that's the live right. show. Yes. yes. Okay. So okay. that's the original voice actress wow. for Ellie. So she's also in Critical Role. So it was 
an awesome experience because it's one of those things where our, our friend Matt said, does it feel like you know them because you've been watching them for so long? And I was like, it kind of does feel like we know them. And, and we walk into this room and they're all standing there. There's eight of them. So we're standing there and we're looking at them and I'm like, oh, this is real life. Like this yeah, is physically right them there. here. He's yeah. freaking out because Laura Bailey's touching his shoulder. Okay. Liam okay. is laughing his head off because he has the funniest shirt he made ever of mm -hmm. Ashley Johnson saying goosh. Because when she, she did this thing and she's stabbing with a, a sword <laughs> and she goes, it's you like know how everybody it's makes, like they yeah. go like that slice or, and she goes, yeah. Yeah. goosh. Oh, that's her. So he had a funny shirt he made. Yeah. Liam O'Brien was laughing talison was laughing and it was just such a cool fun experience to be like in the room with them and be like i'm not saying they changed my life by any means but it's one of those things they've when impacted. they're they're yes, they've impacted because yeah. i'm sitting here and and i'm playing D D not because of them but i feel like i'm enjoying it more yeah. and and just the world more because they're a part of that world and it was just, yeah, it was very exciting. It's one of those things that says, if you can meet your celebrity, your favorite celebrities at least one point in your life, go for it. I know Adam is anti. He gets a little bit what? skilled. Why? What? <laughs> I get scared. scared? Wow. No, no skilled. What, My rebuttal to that comment is you're 100% accurate. Uh, yeah, I'm, That's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm actually am the owner of Drums Etc., which is a music store in Lancaster. Um, we sell drum sets, drumsticks, that kind of thing, that kind of music store. And, uh, so I've got had the opportunity to meet some famous drummers and different things. I won't go too much into it. And, you know, famous musicians throughout that and going to trade shows, different things. And I always screw it up or clam up. <laughs> People want to sit next to me. I say, no, my friend's sitting there and she's in the bathroom and I mess it up. There's a lot of stories there. <laughs> but every oh, time no. I've met someone that's that's above my stature in the industry, <clears throat> I usually mess it up. But, hey, the funny story to me is worth more than the 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 memories with them. At least that's what I tell myself. But you did meet the mummy. <laughs> I, uh, last year, uh, I met Brendan Fraser. Yeah, at, uh, we got Comic a picture Con. with that him. Cool. Oh, that's yeah. cool. That's cool. That I know, right? That was a big resurgence. deal for me. Yes. Yeah. Talk just... about someone who I would love to model every D&D character I play after. Yeah. Rick O'Connell. The mummy. Yes. Yeah. No, the mummy. Yeah. The mummy. The mummy. But, yeah, no. That was cool, but but yeah, it is it is a weird thing, especially when you do meet people like that. It's just a testament to how powerful the game is, really. That critical role, who's literally filming what they sit around a table, like someone had the idea to do that and put it out there, and then people cared about it, people watched, and it's grown to this big thing. They're raising millions of dollars. They've got a, a foundation where they give yeah. back to the community. That's how much oh, money they awesome. got coming yeah. in. They're all like do that in addition to their voice acting jobs. They're like one of the top things to cosplay at a comic con, like yeah. behind Spider Man, it's like their specific characters from oh, a there goes Keyleth. Yeah, and it's 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 <laughs> oh, insane wow. that this game has so impacted the, the world and the culture that much. Yeah, the characters that they created from their own mind, like you know, they're not. It's not like uh, Captain America, or Iron Man. Like these are their own characters they created that they right? made up, and, and they're they... so popular that now people are cosplaying mm -hmm. as these yeah. made up characters. Beautiful cosplays, mind blowing. Beautiful cosplay. Like I last yeah. year for Comic Con, I cosplayed as Ashley Johnson's character Pike. Yeah. From the first seat, from the first campaign, but mine was mediocre compared to everybody else because Some when they, when yeah. people dress as critical role characters, they dress as critical role characters. It's, it's amazing. And again, this is a game that was started at their dining room table or in at a table in our basement. Like that's yeah. how much it's they, grown and how impactful the game is. Yeah. I know they originally they just had a home game, no cameras or anything. So then. 
when the first campaign started, it was somebody at the company was like, Hey, what if we filmed it? And then they, I guess they were like, what if you change this and this? And they're like, we're not going to do it if we're going to change anything. We're just going to play our game. Yeah. And then there happened to be cameras there. Wow. So like they, Good for them to be like, no, we're not changing mm-hmm. anything. Like they, this is it. That's, that's what, what they're, they're adamant about that. They're like, we're playing this for us, but everybody else can enjoy it. Yeah. They stay yeah. true to themselves. Yeah. They're not going to fake it or anything. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it, and a lot of people I know there's always people out there that are like, it's scripted. And to some point, obviously for Matt's end, there are things that are scripted because like he knows the characters, maybe what they're going to say, the locations, like there are things that are built out, maybe not necessarily scripted, but they're doing the same thing we do. Everything is just on the fly. If, Oh, my, my friend just tripped and fell. That's hilarious. I'm going to laugh at him or I could help him up. Like it's simple things like that. It's, it's all totally, you know, we've, we've walked in, an instance recently in our campaign that Adam probably hates me for maybe we'll see it'll come out after the campaign's over no okay. we we were on a boat going to Toa my home yeah. island yeah and we were fighting it was the sea the sea eels, eels the eels, eels. Yeah, we were eels. fighting yeah. eels, eels and they were jabbing up in the bottom of our boat and we were down in the boat and we have two NPCs with us Hobbs and Higgins and the Hagen, Hobbs, Holt. not Holt. There's too many H's. Names, Hobbs like yeah. is the bartender, Hob- yeah. right? Yeah. Hobbs is the bartender. Okay. So um, <laughs> Higgins was like, I'm going to throw a fireball or bolt, whichever one it was. Ball. That's risky. And Ball. I was like, we are in a wooden boat. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I counterspelled his his cast of the spell yeah which normally you don't do to your friends but right. i was like this doesn't make sense counter spell and i want i, I beat him so it, it didn't happen yeah um but it's just yeah like he probably was not expecting i mean maybe he was expecting it yeah, to happen you wouldn't you expect have to, a, a teammate in that moment to, to to cancel out one of your actions yeah. basically so yeah. he could have been thinking about it probably didn't think it was going to happen but then i did it and it's like oh now it's just wasted whatever level spell i just it was did. really oh. cool and now that relationship between her character and that higgins character has changed a lot yeah i'm yeah. I, I think we were all a little suspicious of him but i think even then i'm like why would you do that like, yeah. and now there's Olivia's that mystery thinking. that we can explore. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. yeah, it goes deeper. The story goes deeper. We had mentioned Stranger Things. Do you feel like, and, and again, I know we kind of talked about it, but do you feel it's an accurate portrayal? And then do you think it has helped to uh, break the stigma of, you know, the satanic panic and it's just for nerds? Like, what do you think of Stranger Things? And we can go around the room. I'll start with, with Nate and then we'll just go around. I think what Adam said earlier, it's it's fairly accurate, but it's not like... It's not like the the set in stone like you have to play it this way like you don't have to dress up like that that's if if you want to have fun and dress up you can like a lot of times we do like Halloween costumes and mm-hmm. stuff like on Halloween as like characters and stuff like that but I think it's becoming a little more mainstream which helps with the satanic panic thing because you're like oh they're just a bunch of people playing a board game that's all it right. is right why do you think it ever was considered probably satanic. because some of the monsters were just demonic devils because yeah. like you yeah. want to fight evil so that you're the good guys so right. it, it's the extreme of that like vecna like vecna. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah okay. we haven't run into vecna <laughs> but he is an actual oh character like in the yeah, yeah so the... yeah so we we play homebrew stuff so sometimes there's monsters that come in that are actual D stuff but within within D there there are there is a universe that you can play that is like the built published world that 
D and D is, which is like where the Baldur's Gate video game takes place. Like okay. that's within what Forgotten Realms, is what it's called. Olivia, what's your take? I mean, I I definitely think earlier seasons, yeah, it was kind of funny to see how um it was like a character I mean, I don't know what the word I'm looking for is, but it was like it wasn't uh, a character right. of it. Right. But it was like yeah hey, this is what everybody thinks it is, so that's what we're going to make it look like. And it's like, no, it's not actually like that at all. So, and, and it is for some people, but for most people, it's not like that. So whereas in the later season when Eddie was doing it and they were all just kind of sitting there in their street clothes and it was like, okay, right. this table. And, yeah. it, and you know, it, it was a little more accurate. And I think as far as making it less nerdy, I think it's still very nerdy. But I don't think it will ever step out of being nerdy. But I think, as I was saying yesterday at work, I was having this, a discussion with some of the guys out in the plant. And I was saying how I was going to be here today and we were doing this and we were talking about Z&Z. And the one gentleman said, oh, I used to play that all the time when I was younger. Whoa. And then the guy next to it. So we, I gave like a very small crash course because I don't want to, you know, hold them up from doing their listen, work. Right, but they need I, to listen to the podcast. Yeah, yeah exactly. But podcast. I was like, I want them, I want this guy to understand. And just within the five minute conversation, he's like, now I kind of want to play. And I was like, see, like, yeah. it's just, I think it's something... I don't, I don't feel like it's always being described accurately. And that's why people were like, this sounds lame. And it's like, okay, well, you play video games. It's, just, it, it's somewhat of the same thing. You're, you're right. playing a character. This just, you have more freedom with D&D where you're playing The Last of Us and you have a start and a finish. And there are some points of the, of where it's like, oh, you could eliminate this guy. You don't have to eliminate that guy. Those are the choices you can make, but you have a start and a finish. Whereas D&D is, you do have a start and finish, but everything in the middle is just so fluid and you don't know where you're going to, where you're starting or where you're going to end. Yeah. If your player's going to live, if they're going to die. So it's just, it's, it's the freedom of it is fun. And I, and I don't think it, it unfortunately D&D just has the stigma of being a nerdy thing. A nerdy and, thing. and I'm okay with that. I'm. I, I was gonna say, there's nothing wrong with that. Nope, it's yeah. it's it's whatever. At the end of the day, I'm like, I'm doing something cool with my friends, and you're sitting at home, exactly, doing whatever you're doing. And luckily for us, our group, I think sometimes maybe for people going into a group and not knowing anybody, that can be a little scary. Oh, luckily yeah. for yeah. us, I'm obviously married to Nathan. Adam is now my new cousin. Ryan Good was a friend from school. Brian Phillips was a friend from school. His brother Caden played in the campaign for a little bit. And then Ryan Good's sister Lauren played in the campaign at the very beginning. So am I forgetting anybody? Other than Matt, who's the other co-DM. So all of us knew each other. And it was really easy to kind of fall in line and it, it felt comfortable. And I can understand how playing with random people, it could be very uncomfortable. But we've all gotten so much closer because of this, because we've been spending so much time together over the last couple of years and you could make lifelong friends playing oh, this yeah. just like people make like long friends playing video games yeah, that's together. A, that's what I was going to say is that I, I was friends with, with Goody and, and Brian, but I feel like I've gotten known them so much. They more were invited to our wedding. That says a lot. Yeah, wow. cause, so cause you we know sit I mean? around like, right, right. you know, we sit around at least once, once a month, or sometimes a couple weeks in a row for four or five hours playing a game. So we just really get to know each other. Because a lot of times we'll have like an hour of talking before yeah. we start playing. And then we have an hour of talking okay. after we stop <laughs> where yeah. we just 
So we're actually together like seven hours sometimes. (laughs) Or like seven weeks. Yeah. 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 And and Adam, what's your, you know, take on Stranger Things, Satanic Panic, and then is it nerdy or can it be, you know, more mainstream? Which I think it is getting more mainstream. The Stranger Things thing that we were talking about, I think, I think we kind of, we kind of covered that as far as it's, it's introducing people to a game that has huge benefits to someone's life. And I think it's, I'm going to go a little bit bigger, wider angle here. I think it's very easy to write off D&D as pure escapism because I think that's how a lot of people use video games is to escape their normal lives, get into this world, play within this world, within these boundaries, that kind of thing. But what D&D does that a lot of video games doesn't do is really, it really boils down to empathy and it's that classic kind of parable of living your life in someone else's shoes. When you're literally role-playing as a different character, you view that world differently but it changes you as a person in a way and i know that seems crazy from a little game where we're casting spells as wizards or whatever but just go down this rabbit hole with me for a minute yeah okay you're now interacting with things and scenarios from a different person's point of view you have a character sheet which has flaws incorporated just as much as it has your morals and your ethics Right, So you are now acting as that person. You're no longer acting as yourself. And you get to hear what feedback happens when you act like that person. It's a huge way of learning about things. Stack on top of that, when someone gets into the game, your initial go-to is the escapism thing. Right. So when you're rolling up character, you generally play characters, like Liv was saying, that are nothing like you. So you're playing a game where you're viewing the world through the eyes of someone that's nothing like you. If you don't learn something from that and have a meaningful reaction to, wow, I never thought of things that way. It's like the perfect combination of all these things. I've I've seen people say that it's, it's cool to experiment with like decision-making in something that doesn't have real world consequences. So you can play around Mm -hmm. with those sort of things and see if like, Oh, is this something that I, that I like or want in my real life? It allows you to be someone you're not, you know, Mm -hmm. And if you have a character that's, you know, very, like, step forward and speak their mind, and my character's not really that, but if you're playing somebody like that, but you're not like that in real life, it's almost like you're getting practice for your real life. So in a sense, as lame as that may sound, but it's like, okay, this one time I need to stick up for myself right now. Normally I wouldn't, but you know what? I'm going to. And sometimes that could be the difference maker in your life. Something as small as sticking up for yourself because the character you play does stick up for herself or himself. Oh, that makes perfect sense. It's like the more you you do something, whether it's in D&D or the real world, you know, it, it correlates, I think. Yeah, I kill people in my spare time. Okay, well, not like that. Okay. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Okay. I'm right. only kidding. Whoa. I am a very Whoa. vanilla Nick, person. Get the police on the phone. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Right. It's, uh, I, I shouldn't have maybe. No, no, you're good. I had to make the joke. It's that was, funny. That was a good joke. The there's, next, there's, too much, the... there's too much genuine good vibes going around. There this is. is a perfect example of what it's like in D&D. Things get intense. You're in the heat of battle. You are invested in these characters, which initially day one were jokes. Mm. And then something happens that's so incredibly moving that you're impacted as a real human being, a real person. And then, of course, you get that spark of someone makes a joke on behalf and then the tension's released. And it's the best feeling ever. Uh, So the items you brought with today, I know we covered the the characters. Let's just real quick, let's just real quick go around. We'll start with Nate, Olivia, and then Adam of 
you don't have to go into detail, but you brought your two characters. Mm-hmm. Um, where did you get them again? Remind us. Who- um, I custom made them on HeroForge.com. Heroforge. Okay, HeroForge.com. Yep. And you just brought those, right? Yep. Okay, now Olivia, you brought all kinds of stuff. Yeah, because yeah. I... Yeah, that's just my life with D&D. <laughs> no, yeah, um, you're good. It's bad. If I, if I wasn't so indecisive on a tattoo, I'd probably get something really cute, but... I'm too indecisive. I got one and I, it's just, it's hidden so nobody can see it, but I'm just like, I'm too indecisive. So yeah, I, I did bring my characters. I also, like I said a little bit ago that I, I brought Pate and Mister, who are ca- characters, I'll call them characters, yeah. in campaign three for Critical Role because I just, they sell a ton of cool merch and I'm yeah. like, oh, these are so, these are fun to have, but I did bring them because it's, I, I wore a Critical Role shirt, so it's a representation of something that could exist in D&D. And then I also brought, as I said, I'm a dice goblin. So I brought my dice bag, which isn't full. It will be one day. And then you'll get another one. Yes. Mm. How many do you think you have in there, roughly? How many dice? Um, How many die? Well. We don't have time to count. I'm not going to. I'm going to just, I'll bring bring a group out. Rough (laughs) estimate. It's not a lot. It's not a lot. Um, <laughs> but just think, you have that that dice set there. Yep, yep. So Liv has dice. This each one of yeah. these represents a dice set multiplied oh. by seven. So, these are just yes. the sixes. And wow. I also have a couple others because for Ayla, I have two sets of dice that are exclusive to her that I only use for her. And okay. Violet, me, I have three sets me and of Liv dice like that to, are exclusive to theme our dice colors based on how we feel represent the characters. Right. Yeah. So Some like, people just use one set, but we like yeah, to theme. So them. I've yeah. already bought two sets one set of dice for my future character because i've seen i saw it and yeah. i was like that is ellie i need that for ellie because my my hope is that when i retire these characters those dice will retire with them okay so i need dice to fill those dice but so you're so, like single-handedly keeping the dice maybe me and laura bailey because yeah. this is laura bailey's so this is a, another critical role thing it's it's i think bailey La- bailey's, bailey's dice bag of hoarding yeah because she is also a dice <laughs> okay. goblin as their yeah. business grows they come out with this all the yeah merch, so this makes sense. and They're this smart. just has yeah. a bunch of pockets so each one of my pockets has each one of the singular dice and then yeah. i have two additional pockets that hold the dice specifically for my character so i do technically have five or six additional d6 wow. but they're not in the everywhere spot because they're for my characters all right very and, specific and pockets. these two um from critical role are yes. the plushies for the listeners will have pictures of everything yeah um yeah so a basic and and to just kind of reiterate on what this is so one of the characters laudna has a familiar it was originally a creation she had made herself uh its name is pate it's the the plushie looks adorable the description is terrifying it is basically a rat no it is a bird bird skeleton with a rat head right yeah a rat head it used to originally just be something she puppeted like with her just like a little marionette yeah and then she hit a specific level that she could turn it into a familiar so now it actually has a voice i'm not going to attempt it um that is matt mercer's domain (laughs) and so it's actually a lot creepier than this and mister is also a character that is with fern who's a character in campaign three and he's basically he's a fire monkey he's a fire monkey and he has a gun and he throws flaming poop (laughs) he's got a gun he does somehow (laughs) some way fern you can get creative like that yeah Yeah. so and and that's the thing like our world 
as far as I know, doesn't have wep- like gun like that. weapons. Weapons like that, yeah. But basically in the Critical Role world, there was a character, his name is, I'm not even going to attempt the full name because I don't know it, but Percy DiRolo. And he was really into tinkering and stuff like that. And he came up with weapons. So that world does have oh, okay. an extent of weapons using as in guns. Uh, they do have some of that throughout their world because partially and because of him. So, but yeah, so Mr. is just a fire monkey and he's okay. very cute. And it's also fabulous to hear Matt Mercer imitate a monkey. Okay. So, so yeah, that's a good segue because Adam here is the dungeon master AKA Matt Mercer, right? So can you uh, can wait? You... Take that compliment. <laughs> oh, I think so. I wouldn't say that. Okay, maybe not at that level, but Surely. like, could you? That's the role. Could you do a, a voice? Could you give us? I don't know one of your sure. characters in the game. Yeah, typically when they show up to uh, an area and they randomly say, "I'm going to talk to that guy," this is his voice. It's just like this. It's my voice because that's just a lot to improv in the scene. Most of the time, what I do, and if someone's new to it, like, you don't have to do accents. You don't have to get crazy. Just change the way that you're talking. For example, a, a bartender, and, and phraseology, too. It's, it's more words than it is anything else. You yeah. don't have to be a voice actor to play this game. You can talk like this the whole time. Mm-hmm. But uh, they go into any bar, and the bartender's the same guy, okay. basically. Yeah. We give him slight variation on the names, but Hobbs, who she said earlier, yeah. is the guy. And every time they walk in, he's constantly polishing a glass. And he says, how the heck are you? And that's his vibe, you know? He's like, well, where you been? What's going on? It's this kind of thing. I'm excited for you, even though I know nothing about what's going on. That's him, you know? And so it's very much that kind of, uh, that kind of thing is, is, you know, just change the way that you're talking. And then there's, there's mechanics in the game, like there's insight checks, where if I say something and I sound like, it might just be my lack of skills, I might sound like I'm shady. But they can roll roll an insight check. If they roll high enough, I can just tell them the true intentions of the person. They'd be like, oh, I thought because you were talking that way that he was shady. But it's like, no, I just can't. Oh, it's just the voice. It's just, just the yeah. voice or the yeah. way that I'm approaching the talking. Or maybe gotcha. he's just he's just that way, you know? Maybe that's just how he seems. But when you get to know him, he's not like that. You can justify anything within the world. But. The only the great part about D&D that's unfortunate in real life is that if you're suspicious about somebody and you roll well enough, you can find out that they're very shady. Yeah. But in real life, it's just like, Maybe. It's a, it's a gamble, right? right? You take a chance. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Do you want me to talk about the books yes, that yeah, I brought? Yeah. Technically, yeah, those are the, the items I brought. So I brought three books. The first one on top is the player's handbook. Um, that's what players will use to roll with their characters. That's going to have all your races, all your stats that you start with, in addition to like the long spell list, in addition to the rules of the game. That's really the only thing. One wow. person needs access to that. That's it. And you, you use it not as like something you read the entire way through. It's a reference book. Like, oh, how does this spell work? Let, let me look in the, you're in the index. Let me look up this spell. You know, it's just got a bunch of information in there. And the other two, the monster manual and the dungeon master's guide, uh, monster manual is exactly what it sounds like. Those are monsters that they can run into. They're they, scary. Yeah, yeah, they've got, so they've got where is? Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's probably yeah, exactly. in there somewhere. Um, and the mind he's, flayer. He's in a special one, the but still. Flayer. But yeah, anyway, that's, that's where I can pull from because I need it on the fly stats for monsters they might run into that kind of thing because i don't have a character it's basically a character sheet for every one of the enemies they might come in contact with uh and then the dm guide is just we, i i rarely ever use that um he be, is a big boy that's ancient, lurking around our campaign dragon. right now no I really think, right i think so we don't, we don't know we wow. saw him once and he um, flew we but, saw him once but and he for flew the most away. part that's yeah. just that's just character sheets for me to pull for monsters and then the dm guide is really about tr- 
there's roll tables in there. If you're not creative, that's a book where you can roll for everything. You can be like, okay, what is this town like? What size is it? Let me roll. Uh, what types of uh, races or species live here? I can roll. What's the mood right now? I can roll. I So that's really, if you lack creativity, that helps you as a DM. But you really wow. don't need much of this. One person, I don't even think you guys own a, Mm-mm. yeah, they don't no. even own a player's handbook. No. Maybe they own the digital version of it or something. Yeah. But, but long story short, there are these things out there. These are the basic books to help you. There are other modules if you if you want to run something that someone at Wizards of the Coast who produces the content, they wrote stories already if you want to plop your players into a story. There's, there's so many resources. Again, it's all about the amount of time you want to put into it. What I would suggest, though, is if you're going out to get a player's handbook or like a starting guide or whatever, all of this is on Amazon. Don't buy it from Amazon. Go to your local game store. I guarantee you there's one somewhere around. Even if it's a little bit of a road trip, do it. Because these small businesses, and obviously I stake in the game because of the drum shop and everything, full disclosure, but these small businesses are where you can get feedback, where you can uh, gather information, where you can meet other people to play these games. And you know, if I'm lacking inspiration or something, I can go there and I can buy little miniature figures of a monster and then design something around. It's just like a beautiful resource of shared interests, a hobby shop, a hobby store, that's where you should support this because that's where this game grew out of and that's where you can kind of give back to the community it, you know you buy it on amazon the company that made the game gets gets a little bit of money okay amazon gets a little bit of money okay whatever yeah fine. I, that's that's fine but go to the local game store if they can get a little bit of the cut that keeps the lights on that keeps minis to be within your last minute grab for the game that's where people are really inspiring and meeting to play this game and the more people that play this game like i said with its benefits the better, the better world, better country we have. I think. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Is that if you don't have friends that are interested in it, they usually local stores have like game nights, and you oh, can yeah. jump into a game where somebody yeah, has yeah. some experience already, and then you jump in. That's how you learn how to play. That's well, great. Yeah, Olivia. like six feet under. I had mentioned that earlier because that's pretty much where I've bought almost all of my dice, give yeah. or take some from Etsy, but. They're they're a great local game store. I think they're in they they, they recently moved, moved. They moved to the they were in New Holland and yeah. they moved to the Gap. South of Lancaster, but they got South a bigger store. East. It's really really nice. But it's so fun when you walk in that door and you just see you'll see people playing Magic, which is a card game. I don't know anything about it, but um, I know Adam and him do. I think um, Adam definitely. But and then you walk in and you see people playing D and D, and it could totally be a great place to, like Nathan said, to just yeah. pop in and be like. Looking for a player? Can I sit here and watch what's going on? And what was that? What was that name again? Six Feet Under. Six Feet Under. Okay. Yeah. And they have board games and stuff too. It's not just D and D. It's not just Magic. It's not like they've got tons of board games, villainous everything. Yeah. Down well, Monopoly. I, they're I, a great store. Yeah. No, I, I'm not to cut you off, but I agree with what Adam's saying. You know, support local, shop local. It's a great way to connect, and meet people in your community, and then also like Nate and Olivia said, just to to get your your feet wet or to experience it. In person, you know, why not? Instead of just supporting Amazon, the big box stores and things like that. Um, yeah, I'm all about supporting local. So I'm with you 100%. Now, this is a question I ask all the guests. and We kind of can word it maybe differently. But how can our listeners connect with you and follow along on your journey? So, like, if they wanted to learn more, are you okay with them messaging you? Yeah, Absolutely. Adam at drumsetcetera.com. Email me. I will talk to you about call the shop. I don't care. The guys know I'm into this stuff. I will introduce you to the game. I'll do whatever to get get it going. Again, I, I've kind of transitioned from just like having it around me into it literally being one of my favorite things to do. Um, this is how I stay in contact with my friends. 
this is super important to me. There's obviously other ways different people connect, but especially when everyone uh, is growing up, if anyone can relate to this, if everyone, you know, begins adulting through their adult life, people have kids, people move, do this and that. This is a great way to connect with people. I, I would highly recommend it. And like I said, I reach out to me. That's fine. Obviously our game isn't live streamed like critical role. So you can't necessarily keep up with it that way. But the D and D thing is thankfully like now, because it's become popular, there's a million different ways to get started and a ton of people out there in this huge community that will be willing to help you out, whether it's through a game store or it's online or whatever the scenario is, you know, reach out to someone who plays D and D and you'll end up hopefully having the record podcast amount of length that we're talking about something <laughs> because this is what happens we just get going and going and going it's epic this is the longest so far oh yeah it's this just, is long the yeah. world of D is just so incredibly vast and it's exciting and it's fun so there's just it, it you can sit and talk about it forever just because there's forever to talk about yeah i i don't know if i have anything to add to that um it's just fun Give it a try if you haven't. Mic drop, right? Yeah. Mic drop. Yeah. Oh, I dabbed. <laughs> you did, yeah. I did the mic drop. Yeah. But uh, no, perfect, guys. Them. Before we close out, is there anything else that uh, you'd like to share with the listeners? And we can go around. Olivia, we'll start with you. Shout out our awesome group. So Adam Steck is DM. Matt Anderson is co-DM. Me, obviously, Olivia Holmes, the best person. I'm just kidding. Uh, Nathan <laughs> Holmes. We have Ryan Good, aka Goody. Nobody call we don't call him Ryan Good. He is Goody. Brian Phillips, and like I said, Caden Holmes and Lauren Good, who were both past players. Uh, Tyler Gerber for being an awesome guest player. Dakota Baxter, Dak Baxter for being a guest player. I don't know if I'm missing anybody Chris. else. Chris, yes. Um, All sorts of people. Chris Anderson for people. being a guest player. I also want to take a moment to just shout out because she's absolutely fantastic. And if I don't talk about her in a D&D aspect, I will regret it. Tiffany Berkey Art. She has done our character artwork. So we have our minis here, which were through Hero Forge. But one of the coolest parts about creating a character is finding a way to visually bring them to life because you can sit there and you can say, this is what they look like. And everybody's kind of just like when you read a book that they don't adapt into a movie or a show, you have an idea, they explain what they look like and you have that idea in your head. You love it when it comes to a screen and they look exactly the way you were hoping that they would. So it's super awesome to also support local artists as far as getting your character artwork done with them. As I said, Tiffany Berkey, Tiffany Berkey art, I believe probably on everything. She has done the artwork for all of our characters, our original characters. Adam got commissioned secretly and we didn't know it was happening. And then it was a fun gift and we were like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. And then after that, we were like, she is fantastic at what she does. And she only has gotten immensely better since then. She is phenomenal. And she has done character artwork for violet she has also done character artwork for my future character ellie and she's done character artwork for nathan's tear who is his future character as well and uh like i said i just could not shout her out because if anybody's thinking about doing something D oriented and you have a character and you're like i need to see them visually and i don't know how to do that find somebody local a local artist who can help bring your vision to life so that when you introduce your character to somebody you can be like look how cool my character looks and show them a physical picture of them so that there is no second guessing of how scary they look or how intimidating they look. 
Right. It's a great asset to have. Nate? Um, what was the original question? Just yeah. if we want to shout anything out. Yeah, um, yeah. or anything you'd like. Anything. Share anything with the listeners, yeah. If you haven't tried it and it sounds at all interesting, give it a try. Maybe check out a YouTube video of like a beginner's guide or something or reach out to Adam, have him <laughs> talk to you for hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah. run a game for you. Yeah. <laughs> and Critical Role, like it, it's it's even that if you want to stop and, and watch an episode of that, it, it is daunting because there are about four to five hours. Most of them just like our campaigns tip, or our sessions tip, typically are and last. But even if you wanted to jump into a first episode of, of campaign three, just to kind of see how they do it and get a feel for it. And, and they're the extreme of role playing. Yes. Yeah. So Preface. if you watch extreme. them, don't feel like you have to live up to that from a player or DM standpoint. But it's, I feel like if, if there's anything that maybe would get you super interested other than us cool people talking about yeah, it, yes. um, it would probably be that. And you'd be like, wow, this is pretty sweet. So, And uh, I guess one other thing is like once you learn the basics of this style of game, you can jump to the other like adjacent tabletop games or even like I was thinking about running uh, somebody – some people made like a, a Star Wars version of D&D 5e, which like – it just modified the rules a little bit, but then it's Star Wars themed. So like you yeah. can go into any universe you want or make up your own, do whatever. Perfect. Adam. D&D has uh, obviously been a part of my life in one way or another for a long time. And I am just so thankful for what the game has done for my life as far as my friendships and my viewpoint and everything. I think that there's a lot of people out there right now that are struggling to get by or they've got you know trouble getting motivated or they just need something to look forward to and everything's just it's super expensive to live right now you know i don't need to talk about any of that stuff i just think that this is a great thing that could literally cost you zero dollars if you reach out to your friends that could just be that thing to get you that that next step to be that thing okay then thursday we get to play or we get to watch this or whatever i just think it's super important in everyone's life to have certain things like that that are you know even though tough stuff happens you know you have that thing to look forward to and that thing to to move forward towards and as silly as it sounds because we're talking about wizards casting spells and stupid little things like that this game can really impact your life and i think that a lot of people the reason part of the reason it's trendy is not just because it was on stranger things not just because some celebrities have come out and said they're playing it i think it's because it it is even though it seems really far removed it is genuine human connection with the people that you're playing with and then also with these made up characters. And it's kind of scratching that itch that a lot of people need scratched right now. So I, I just suggest, I, I recommend it, you know, it's not for everyone, but, but I think that there's a lot of different things people are experimenting with and trying right now. And this should be on your list. Perfect. Yeah. I couldn't say it any better. And I do want to thank you guys for coming in and thank you for giving me my first official American grown podcast set of, of <laughs> dice here. Yeah, I've I, been I, holding on to those for a hot really? minute. And I've been, every time I see you come in Everlast, I'm like, I want to just give him these dice, yeah. but I've got to wait. I was not <laughs> expecting it. Thank you guys so much for that and for, for your time. Um, this is probably the longest episode, so congrats on Woo-hoo! that. And the first episode that I had three guests uh, plus myself, so that's a first as well. Setting so you, records. You guys hold that? Yeah, exactly. You're setting records. So, uh, yeah, anything else, I'm, I'm going to close it out. We're good. Thank you so much for having us on. Yeah, I know this you. isn't, I, I've, I've been kind of listening to some of the stuff you have, and I know a lot of the people that come in here seem to have a lot more, I don't want to say important because this is important to us. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But yeah, it's a lot of people. Things that are all, like 
doing really great things. And it's like, you own this business and he owns a business, so he's doing great things. But everybody's doing like these amazing things and we're just a bunch of... Nerds. Nerds. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I'll say it. I'm just, with you. We're just having fun. But yeah, yeah. I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your day. And for you guys, yeah. obviously, you, you would have had to come no matter what. <laughs> but for Adam stopping by and, and being the DM here, because like I said, only Nathan's briefly DM'd. I haven't DM'd, but Adam's been our DM since the beginning. Yeah. So it's good to have his side of the story. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I look at the podcast as everybody has a story to tell, you know, and it's educating, it's learning, it's fun and entertaining. So. When you were telling us, you know, again, at Boyer's Tavern, shout out to Bobby and uh, telling us about D&D and, <laughs> and your, your sessions that you're doing, I was like, I'd love to have you on the podcast because I think it's awesome. I think it's really cool. And, and Adam, I want to have you all back maybe sometime in the new year again, and maybe we can pick up on, you know, your next, uh, you know, story or wherever you're going, the next world you create. But Adam, I, I want you to come back on and talk about just your business, if that's all right. I'm here, man. Awesome. I'm here for it. Love to have you back on. Cool. <laughs> Olivia and Nate Holmes with Dungeon Master Adam Steck, avid D&D players on the American Girl podcast in the Color Tech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having us. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, Please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.